This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 18, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New for this year, 2017 opening day rosters, historic Negro League integration, run the ultimate what-if scenarios, tournaments, fall leagues, a redesigned injury system, an improved 3D game, real-time presentation, and game highlights, improved player morale, and team chemistry, and so much more. Out of the Park Baseball 18 has the full sleeper in the bus stamp of approval. We all play it and have for years. Even better, if you buy now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, and just enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout to not only get a discount, but also help support the Sleeper in the Bus, indie sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 18. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout for a special discount and to support our show. Guys, I, I'm obsessed with this game. It is so much fun. Um, I played a lot of OOTP17. You guys have heard me talk about my Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash pspore24. I was streaming my 17 franchise over there. I, I, I did a fantasy draft in 1995. I was able to get Ken Griffey Jr., and Pedro Martinez. I don't know what the computer was thinking there, uh, letting letting both of those guys get there. I took Pedro with my first pick, and then and then got Ken Griffey Jr. I haven't started my new eighteen one for um, for streams yet, but I'm going to. And I'm actually just gonna gonna start over. I, I I won the World Series that first year with the with the seventeen team, but I'm gonna start a new one. We'll do the draft at some point soon, so stay tuned for that. But out of the park is is just so much fun. You've heard me talk about. Uh, other baseball video games I like, they're, they're two different experiences. This is the sim, in-depth, management sort of deal, and then the other game is, is playing. So um, I absolutely love this game. One last time, ootpdevelopments.com. Sleeper18 is, is your discount code. Uh, that lets them know that we, that we sent you there, and they give you a little bit of uh, a little bit off the top as well. If you do play the game, let me know. Let me know what you're doing with it. Let me know what, uh, what team you're going with, whether you're starting historically or going from now. Uh, if you do the fantasy draft, hit me up on Twitter, at Spora. I love kind of seeing how people go because it, it doesn't just play out 100% to, to history. Things can change and you can have guys you know you can have a failed prospect that actually pans out for you so i I love seeing that stuff definitely hit me up there um and 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 thanks for supporting the show by by going to ootpdevelopments.com Welcome to episode 455 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Thursday, May 10th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined live in my apartment on my couch with my dog, Eno Saris. Yes, I am petting your dog right now. She is obsessed with you, dude. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't let me sleep with her last night. Uh, she would have wanted to. She stood by the door. <laughs> when we went to sleep, she stood by the door for a good five minutes, and I said, it's not happening. Get, you know... Get used to the idea. You're not sleeping with Eno tonight. 
She'd made out with you. She thought she had a chance. <laughs> yeah. I think you feel there was some false hope. But yeah, Charlotte's obsessed with Eno. My bad. Eno's in town. I uh, got a beer event tonight for October. Uh, I mean, you can tell folks a little bit about it, but it will be done by the time they hear it. Probably. Um, Unless we try to get this up quickly. We're, I'm going to be at uh, Independence Brewing tonight. Um, it's uh, Wednesday, the 10th. May 10th. And uh, we're bringing Nashville's best hot chicken. To to Independence Brewing, so that's uh, yeah. I should be fun. Prince Prince's Hot Chicken was uh, a favorite of mine when the winter meetings were in Nashville. That's right. That's and right. We enjoyed some Thank of you that. that so. Enjoying that. We got a hitter episode today. We've done some pitcher episodes recently. Time to shift back over to the hitters. We're going to talk about uh, fewer fastballs, lower heart percentage. Guys not getting not getting challenged, quote unquote, as much. And, and how that affects them and, and what, what changes do you think that makes uh, to their profile. We're also going to talk some launch angle stuff. Some guys that have drastically changed their launch angles and what it's doing for them. Uh, and from that, we're going to actually spur off our, our, our question of the day, which shouldn't surprise anybody. I know your Twitter timeline has been filled with it. I've been making sure to give you all the credit mm-hmm. for, for the hype that I put on it. It was, it was on your article about Yonder Alonso that, that put him on my fantasy list. Like, this was a guy I was not considering. I was trying to find a way to be as mean as I could about him in the Baseball HQ Forecaster. I wrote his player cap, and I was trying to find ways to insult him. And the best I could come up with was a modern-day Doug Mankovich. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't working. Well, your article wasn't out when I wrote that, that mm-hmm. player cap, so I look like an idiot, but I'm sold. I've got him in several leagues. Yonder Alonso, you know, the leading off question of the day is how many home runs is he going to hit now? He just set a career high with home runs, which, by the way, i got to tell them, you were incredulous. You refused to believe me <laughs> that the two homers that he hit last night for Yonder Alonso set a career high. You could not believe that to be true. He does, in fact, have a new career high. How many does Yonder Alonso hit for See, the whole year? I figured he'd hit 14 before. You would think. And, you know, with the Reds in twenty in 2011, if you add it all up, he hit 17 that year. But uh, that's minors. Yeah, that's minors. So, yeah, career high in Major League home runs. And there were 100 plate appearances, 109 plate appearances into the season. So it's, it's kind of amazing. Now, part of it is that he never he doesn't play full seasons. He only has two full seasons last year. 156 games, he hit 7. And then 2012 with the Padres, he played 155 games and hit 9. Then it's 97, 84, and 103 games in between. I can use plate appearances or games. It, right. it gets the point across. That's part of it. Platoon, been a platoon player. Yeah, that's so, another but part of I it. have seen him actually start some games against lefties He's this been year. He's crushing so. A lot of the homers are, like four, I think four of the homers are against lefties oh, for Alonzo. Uh, he took Norris. Yard, Daniel Norris against Tigers deep. Uh, yeah, he has three, three, three home runs. Huh? So, wh- where are you at? What, what's the number you've got right now? Well, I remember that you know I had this long discussion with the with the reader about how he's just going to you know revert to his San Diego form and blah 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 blah. You know, but we do see real change in terms of launch angle, and we'll get to this a little bit more later. Uh, but in terms of launch angel and angle changers, only six people. Uh, no, only five batters have changed their launch angle more drastically in the sort of positive direction. So, um, you know, Yonder has done something drastic to his game. Sometimes I worry that he's gone too far because it is a lot of fly balls, uh, and I don't know that... 
you know, that uh, a 50% fly ball rate is really going to work uh, in terms of batting average on balls in play and stuff. You know, like right now, he's got a nice, um, you know, 306 batting average on balls in play. But that, you know, when you hit 50% fly balls, we've talked about this. There's Aaron Hill. There's Ryan Schimpf. Those are the guys who hit 50% fly balls. So it's pretty drastic. So we could actually see sort of a fallow point where he's hitting like 230. Bunch of pop-ups. You know, a bunch of pop-ups. It's like a 150 over right. 80 plate appearance run with two homers or but something. But working against that is the fact that usually more homers go out as the weather goes up. And uh, always had solid kind of, you know, back control, good vision. Like knows what he's doing at the dish. I'm wondering if... If he hits one of those fallow periods, he can kind of... Alonso could maybe work his way out of it. I, I don't know. That That's a little bit less tangible and, and, and statsy. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's always had a, a pretty strong contact rate. Now, the strikeouts are going up a little bit. That's going to come with pitchers laying off of you a little bit. A higher launch angle, too, I think. The steeper angle does actually lead to more strikeouts. Swing, swing and miss, exactly. 9.2 swinging strike rate is a career high for Alonso. Interesting thing about the projections. They've now got... 9 to 10 home runs for him. Before the season, some of the projections had a full season of 8. Yeah. Depth Charts and Steamer had 8. They now have 9 and 10 respectively uh, for the remainder of the season. So they've got him going to 20 or just over. We pin you down yeah, I think that, let's say that, I'd say we put the over under at 25. Yep. The, the, the full season projected total uh, is around 20. So 25, I think, is being more aggressive than the projections. And that's kind of where I'm at. I think 25. I think 25. And I think I might take the over. But it, it's not – I like that over-under because it, I think it's going to be like 27 or something. Yeah. Well, I, and that's still – 27. Yeah, that's a big – I think that's a, that's, a, that's regression. That's There is regression baked into that. It's not a 392 ISO. You're not on pace scoring him. I mean, if you're on pace scoring him, he's going to have 66 home runs or like say. 55 home runs or something. He's, so. he's going to be chasing down uh, Bonds. That would be – uh, such an amazing story. If it does, like if he hits 40 this I was year. Say, what if he hits like 35, 40? Even, yeah, 35, I mean, that that piece is going to get linked a lot. That's true. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get a big spike after that. Um, yeah. But I, would, I think like, you know, like 27, which means it you know, won't look as, as nice going forward. But it also means that if you were to give a guy like a 270-16 home runs rest of season projection, that you wouldn't necessarily, uh, you know, sort of poo-poo that, you know? like No, 270-16, even like 260-16, I think would be nice for Alonzo and would put him in a lot of... Like, he's must-own, right? Obviously, I think, you know, if you're getting him now, you've missed, obviously, a great period, but you're talking rest of year... So this, if you even if you so you comment down to two seventy sixteen, uh, that would be better than the proje- current projections, rest of season projections according to Steamer for Travis Shaw, Gregory Bird. Oh, has a Gregory. Greg and, Bird. And by the way, and if you put yeah, if you don't put Gregory in your article, it won't auto. I know. Which is annoying. Eric Hosmer, uh, Mike Napoli will hit more home runs, but he'll have such a low batting average that I would I would put uh, Yonder ahead of Mike Napoli. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Moss, same thing. Hanley Ramirez, 280-19, is the rest of season projection. And Bell's Yonders, thir- is, we're talking 270-16. So. Bell's got 13-257. Yeah. From Steamer. Brandon from Belt? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, I think he's ahead of Brandon Belt. Like, I think he's ahead of Belt. He's ahead of Duda. Yep. He's ahead of Shaw. He's ahead of Bird. He's ahead of Hosmer. He's ahead of Hosmer. 
I think he's ahead of Hosmer. I mean, it's they're that. I think that's where they are. Yeah, I think they're we're similar players now. You're talking about Bell, wow. uh, Yonder and and and, and so that's an endorsement. We, we we're in. Yeah, you know we were in. But you know he doesn't. I wouldn't even though it's close to Hanley. I wouldn't drop Hanley. No, I wouldn't. You know, Pujols probably not. Myers, you know, the, and then when you get it up beyond that, then you, you know those Here's guys one. are all. Mark Reynolds or Yonder Alonso rest of the year because Mark Reynolds having a big season himself, not out of nowhere necessarily, especially being in Colorado. This is kind of what we expected last year in Colorado: a, a, a big power explosion, maybe buoyed by a few hot stretches. He only ends up hitting 14 homers in 441 plate appearances. Mark Reynolds already has 12 in a buck 32 so far this year. He's been on fire. Yeah, the, the, the thing that's interesting is that he's and he's he's copped to this where he's trying to make more contact. In the last two years, the best contact rate he's had and the best strikeout rates he's had. So, you know, on some level, maybe you can believe, uh, you know, the Babbitt, Colorado is best for Babbitt. You know, it's not yes. even so much about the power. So, like, if you do give him sort of a 330-ish Babbitt and then you believe in this improvement in, in contact rate that's come the last two years, you could give him a 280 average. Um, and uh, and so if you give him a 280 average, then he's right there with Yonder an average, and then he's traditionally had a lot more power than Yonder. So um, you know, to me, there's a question, a slight question of playing time, though. He's a right-hander that came in on like a minor league deal, and he's should be behind Ian Desmond when everyone's healthy. Now, maybe everyone won't be healthy at the same time, that's, that's the but if you've sure. got Dahl, Blackman, and Cargo, and then even have Para... Desmond and Para. Then you have Desmond and Para at first, really, or Para becomes the fourth outfielder, and then all of a sudden Reynolds is like your pinch hitter, uh, maybe platoon guy, wrong side platoon with Ian Desmond. So, okay. you know, I, I would actually take Yonder in that situation because I believe in Yonder's playing time all the way through. I completely agree with that, you know? with that aspect of it. Yeah, but if they played all the way through and had the same amount of plate appearances, then I would take, then I would take uh, Mark Reynolds. If I could be guaranteed, you know. Uh, but you can't. I mean, you can't. I think if they're if they're full strength, they say thank you to Mark Reynolds, and you if, know. If you saw a tough injury strike the, strike the Rockies, that would clear the path for Reynolds. I think so. It's a little bit like with big. Bellinger. With we were we're waiting on the news right now for Andrew Tolles, yep. and we've been say, we we were. Really excited about Bellinger in the off season, and then we we said, "Well, wait, this year it'll be interesting to see how he gets his opportunity." We did say, you know, to our credit, that he would play in the outfield and he had the athletic system to do that. But if Jock Peterson is healthy and Adrian Gonzalez comes back from the shoulder injury and Tolls is healthy, then Bellinger's probably back in the minor leagues. But now you've got this Tolls injury that everyone's waiting on. If you were waiting in your ten teamer on picking up Bellinger. You know, today or tomorrow might be the day that, that you pick up Bellinger. Hey, man, you're on your segue today, so let's go <laughs> right into it. We're talking about fewer fastballs. Guys, guys, again, not being challenged quite as often. we got five guys here who are, are within the top of the leaderboards. I don't think it's just the top five guys. It's five interesting guys. Andrew Tolles is the first one we're going to talk about because you did just write about him. And uh, you were stressing over your piece not going up because he got hurt. It is still posted. You guys should go read it. Mm-hmm. You know, Tolles is somebody that I, I like as well. And so it would be a bummer to see him lose playing time. You know, if Gonzalez comes back healthy, Bellinger keeps raking, and, and Tolles gets squeezed out uh, with Peterson Puig. And, and Bellinger out there. That's not where we're at right now. We got to see where Tolles is health-wise. 
let's assume the best on the health and talk about tolls as an entity, uh, as a healthy entity right now. What, what are you seeing from Well, that? I think it's also interesting because of, so there, I think there's, there's two ways that a batter can be challenged. One is with, with fastballs uh, and generally, uh, that's that's sort of saying I don't think you can hit the the the, hot, the cheddar, and then and then the other way is is down the middle of the zone or nibbling. You yes. know, and we've talked about how Chris Davis may not have a great sense of the strike zone, but he imparts so much fear on the other pitcher that they'll nibble and further pitch further out, so he gets walks that way. Yep. So you know, so the first thing I did for tolls was do a fastball percentage decline. So I looked at people that got fewer fastballs this year so far. And that's kind of like, who is the league saying, watch out for this guy? You know, like, so Mitch Hanniger is third on this list, basically tied, tied for the top. So, you know, and Alex Bregman's up there, which is interesting because, you know, Bregman's in the middle of an adjustment period and hasn't really adjusted back, maybe, hasn't nope. really shown the same power with fewer fastballs. Base hits, but no, yeah. it goes back to Blangino's article that a lot of people were... Yeah. Concerned about with with the, with the contact. I still like Bregman. I, I still think that 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 next adjustment's in him because if you look in the minor leagues, he's had a couple different versions of himself, yep. different fly ball rates, he had the big strikeout rates last year, and he, and he, and he bounced back. Yeah. I, I I would buy low on on him. I think if so. Get a discount, and just the fact did. that it's seeing fewer fastballs like that, you know, means to me that the league still respects him. Let me amend something. I would just buy on him, right? Because saying buy low, okay. Who's really selling him low? I don't think very many people, because the people that bought Alex Bregman were in on him. I would just buy. Yeah. It's kind of market value. You can probably and buy at like the 180 ISO level, like where he has above average power. Yeah. Not buy. Don't buy thinking that he has. Don't you know. extrapolate last year and buy. Yeah. Buy 180 ISO, but uh, yeah. Anyway, back to so tolls. Also on the list though, Hanniger, Michael Franco. These are guys that are you know Justin Smoke. Interesting names. Guys that the league is saying these guys are legit and you know don't throw them in the fastball anymore. Andrew Tolls is on that list. And I think that suggests that even though we don't know, oh look at that, Maurice Familia blew the saves. And uh, the, the Giants are in the middle of their worst start since 1972. They're so bad. They are very bad. So anyway, th- I think that you can use this a little bit to say the league thinks that Tolls has power. Okay. You know, um, and, and another way you can do that is if you. Look at edge percent, uh, heart percentage, and you look at you Explain know that real fast. that's um, that's just the percentage of pitches that are down the, the center of the strike zone. Um, the heart, if you will, folks. Yeah, the heart. So uh, you know what uh, you know. Tolls is seeing fewer pitches there, but it's a slightly different list of people that are getting nibbled against a little bit more uh, this year. And so I think the most interesting name on that list, Jose Ramirez, is third in in decline in pitches down the middle. You know, Marcus Simeon was on that list before he got hurt, yeah, hurt. you know, because, you know, he did demonstrate so much power last year. So uh, I, I tend to believe in Jose Ramirez's um, uh, numbers because he also shows up on the third list, which is the Yonder Alonso list, uh, the launch angle changers. Jose Ramirez is 35th in launch angle change and added five degrees. So... Jose Ramirez has done this really interesting thing where he's added launch angle, kept you know, kept his exit velocity in a good space, and uh, you can see from the edge, the hard percentage stuff that pitchers are afraid of him. So the, le- the league's adjusting. So Jose Ramirez, I- I'm in on Jose Ramirez as well. I really see him similarly to Francisco uh, Lindor with the bat. They don't have a lot of differences in what they do, um, and I think Jose Ramirez is. is 
definitely somebody that if you see somebody trying to sell high, I just pay. I pay the market rate right now, even though it would be high. He's going to qualify at a couple different positions. Got some pop. He's only two for five on the bases right now, but I think he'll be fine. I still think he'll get to the double digits. So even if you only get twelve to to fourteen stolen bases with him, I think you can get upper teens, low twenties homers with Jose Ramirez. He's got more pop than people think. Good bat. So I really like him and Tolls. A few a few others on the on the fewer fastballs. Carlos Beltran. Uh, you mentioned him, and you said that he could be somebody to buy low. I think you can actually buy low on him, too. You don't have to just buy. Some people are in my chat asking me if he's done. To cut him, exactly. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Carlos Beltran. He is struggling right now. Um, you know, out, out in Houston, it hasn't been, you know, hasn't been what he was last year. Remember last year he had 29 homers, 93 ribs, 295 average. But he's not awful. Three three homers, eleven rubies, two fifty two. Like he's not sinking your team. But Carlos Beltran is definitely not meeting the grade. The biggest difference is strikeout rates way up, walk rates way down. Twenty six percent is a career high strikeout rate by a lot. The highest he ever had before was twenty percent his first year with the Cardinals, and the two percent walk rate is is the lowest by a good bit. The previous career uh, low was last year six percent. So what's yeah, going I mean, on with Beltran? He's saying he's seeing the most curveballs he's ever seen, and he's seeing the fewest fastballs he's ever seen. However, this is not an Alex Bregman situation where you're wondering if he's going to make that adjustment. Yeah, you know, this is Carlos friggin' Beltran, and I, I mean, yeah, his swing strike rate is up, and that's a little bit worrisome for a strikeout rate. Maybe you don't regress him to, you know, his career 280 batting average at 40 years old. Okay. However, you know, if the league is not throwing him fastballs, and the league had been slowly building fastballs back up again. Like, he, he when he first came into the league, they threw him 60% fastballs, and then it went down, 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 down as he, you know, studded out. And then, you know, as he got older, they started throwing him more fastballs. So this is a departure. And I think, I, I mean, it could just be, oh, he can't... Wh- you know, normally it's, oh, he can't couch up to the fastball anymore. That's so it's why just it, pump it in size and then... Yeah, that's what you would normally do with an old guy with the bat speed gone. Yep. So what I'm saying is, the bat speed's not gone. Because they're not challenging They're, they're, they're not challenging They're not throwing him fastballs. So if the bat speed's not gone, and it's just a question of whether or not he can adjust to seeing tons of breaking balls, yeah, dude, I think he can. I mean, Carlos Beltran has a 10% walk rate for his career. You know, like, he'll just take some, the walk rate will go up. Okay. He'll just be like, okay, they're throwing junk at me. All right, I'm just going to leave the bat on my shoulder for a little bit. You get a few free walks, and then they'll have to bring the fastballs back because they get bad in bad counts. So I think, uh, you know, I, I, there's a lot, I think, to be uh, – not a lot to be excited about because he's still a 40-year-old dude. But especially in, like, an American League only, I think he's a great acquirer because, you know, you might – either the, the, the person feels like I've got – Found gold here that like you know I'm excited because he's he's healthy and and he's playing every day and maybe I should get out from under this before he gets hurt or before he loses his job because I, I'm a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. That's a great time to acquire him, exactly. I think, because I think he's he's fine and he's going to demonstrate his value uh, to his team. And uh, so you're and not worried about 40 year old Beltran right now. Not really. Okay. They have a lot of places they can play him at DH. His American League team. It's, a lot of soft landing for him, you know. Even if he's hurt, they can, they can, they can, or like, you know, have a little hurt play. enough, to, not hurt to play the outfield, yeah, yeah, good yeah. enough to hit. I, I, again, I agree with you. I, I do think that's somebody you could look to acquire and get a real discount on Carlos Beltran. Let's shift on the age spectrum all the way down to a 25 year old who, you know, I, I would say finally is having a breakthrough, but that's kind of unfair. I mean, Chris Owings 
it's not like he has so much time under his belt that like it is a final. I don't even think it's a late bloomer thing. Holy crap, the Mets are melting now. You know, he had the foolish, the full season in 2015, which wasn't good. I mean, it's never really been good, but 90, uh, 332, 552, and 466 plate appearances. Like, okay. But that was 22 through 24. Nowadays, 25, Chris Owings having a great season so far. Already matched last year's homer total of five. He's eight for 10 on the bases, hitting 307. What are you seeing with, uh, with Chris Owings, who showed up high on the uh, fewer fastballs list? Well, see, I'm, I'm checking his launch angle changes too. Um, he's up, he's up a little bit. Not, not like a league leader, but top 100. Okay. So he's hitting the ball in the air a little bit more, um, and he's uh, hitting for power, which we don't like to look at power in, in, in short samples. But, but he's pulling but it. But it's nice to see it. The hard contact rate is up a lot. A lot of the power factors are working well for. Um, for Owings, that suggest, and then there's this, there's a second uh, thing asterisk, which was that he ran into uh, Buster Posey at the plate in 2015, I believe it was. Okay, and it was in in like August or something, and then he he thought if you watch it, it's it's just like a like a hiccup, like a it's just an awkward play that doesn't look like it hurt a lot, but. I think it was misdiagnosed because it's one of those things where, you know, oh, he'll be back in a week or two. Oh, you know, it's still lingering. It's still lingering. And then he tried to come back in late season without surgery, and he had no power, like literally no extra base hits in like three weeks. And then he had shoulder surgery in that off season. So, you know, then in 2016, he told me that he couldn't finish his swing. Because because of this, the, the the surgery, so he he was doing a two handed follow through on his swing because he couldn't he didn't like the feeling of letting go completely. So this year it's not quite back to a full you know power hitters you know flourish with the one hand, but he is let he is finishing with one hand and it's a more powerful swing. I did check in with him and he's like, yep, I feel good. Like so we're seeing I'm a healthier Owens letting him eat. Yeah, so it's a, there's a health issue there. Uh, and then I think that this is a return to, you know, some of the promise we saw from him coming up, where he was going to be a middle infielder with power and speed, mm-hmm. and maybe never was going to be much for patience. But you know, there was this chance to get sort of a two seventy five, fifteen fifteen guy out of him. Um, that was that was my hope. I remember years ago when mm-hmm. when he was coming up, 2013, 2012, I was hoping for that kind of player at shortstop. And I think he's finally being that kind of player. I mean, yeah, if you unpace him, he's more like a 25-25 guy, but I think he might settle down. There's the humidor as a possible issue. Projections got him now for 12 and 23-ish. Yeah, and, I, like and, I, and one of the things that does uh, unpace for well is stolen base attempts. So the fact that he's taken 10 attempts uh, in the early goings, that's good. Yeah. yeah, they're running out there in Arizona. You yeah. see A.J. Pollock, that's a good sign for him, looking like he's healthy with the frequency with which he's running. David Peralta's got three. That bodes well for his health. So they had health concern guys who are running, so I like a lot of what's going on in Arizona. I'm in on Owings. I was in on him uh, at, at drafts uh, just because the shortstop eligibility really helped and the power speed capability. Not that the power had been shown yet with just five homers last year and a career high of six back in 2014. But the power potential to be double digits. It, there's an interesting speed. thing here where he's not quite playing every day, and I don't know if that's to keep him healthy or matchups. But he only played two 
of the Colorado games, um, and then two of the Padres games early in the month. But it's otherwise, it's almost every day. And uh, I think it's worth maybe doing a, a would you rather now that we, you know, have them pegged for, you know, something like a, a 1530 season. I mean, that sounds like Jose Ramirez last year, who ended up being, a, you know, a very valuable piece. So would you rather Jose Ramirez or Chris Owings? I guess that would be Still Ramirez. Jose Ramirez. Let's go a little bit further down then. What about Brandon Crawford? Chris Owings. Chris Owens, I agree. Yeah. About so, our boy Addison Russell. I mean, Brandon Crawford, yeah. I mean, even if the power's there, the, st- the stolen bases aren't They just there. won't be, exactly. Yeah. Um, Addison Russell now. He doesn't really steal bases, and he hasn't... It's funny, he hasn't quite... Even though I still, I still see the things I like, where, you know... He's improved his strikeout rate again, and he's improved his swinging strike rate. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he's even actually, it's kind of fun, he's even actually hitting more fly balls this year at an incremental level. So he's, you know, he's increased his pull percentage every year a little bit, and he's increased his fly ball percentage. I still see the possibility for a major breakout with him. But I also remember how Starlin Castro did this. And Starlin Castro every year stole another base or two, and and you know hit for a little bit more power, and you know made a little more contact. And I kept saying we're going to finally get that twenty twenty season. A superstar. And then somehow age caught up to him before he got there. Like it was an early peak or something. Yeah. yeah. So you know maybe some of these guys that debut earlier have earlier peaks. Maybe. But what, but what if it's because like, there's like they reach a sort of sustainable level within baseball that you know, they. They don't. They don't break out further. They don't necessarily just keep getting better because you know they don't need to. Well, or they just have been playing for so long that players there's a book on them, and you know they're just there's certain things they. If you do a certain couple things in sequence, then you can get them out. You know, Mm -hmm. they figure that out. I mean, the longer you're around, the more people know about you. you Absolutely. So, um, you know, it, it's possible that he never does that peak season that I want for him. But he's still, still 23, though. I know, and I could Madison totally Russell. see him hitting, you know, 280 with like 25 to 30 bombs and five stolen bases one year. And and then and then 85 and 100 with the runs and RBIs right. on that team. Is that team, yeah. So, I'm still in. But if it's just for this year, I could maybe see taking Owings. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Stealing more bases and still but if in. it was a dynasty thing, I might. I might go the other way. I might even trade Owings for Russell, especially if I was in a sort of rebuilding period where I could take a step back for this year yeah. in order to maybe take a step forward next year. Yeah, still in on Russell for sure, but Owings, I think I, I think you can take that chance. Uh, I just don't know that you're going to lose much. One thing that's nice is Russell does have two stolen bases this year, but batting average still isn't there, and I, just, I agree with you. He's making the adjustments that make you think that he can improve that batting average, but we still haven't seen it yet, so we need to see a little bit more from him. What about a guy that's going to um, bridge us into, or no, no, keep, keep us in here, bridge us to the next guy in the list, Elvis Andrews, who uh, is also seeing fewer fastballs, showing a little bit of a power surge himself. Obvi- you know, like that steady Eddie guy who's just consistently been really good. Colette's always been a big fan. And we were talking about him before this year, before we went into labor mix, and I was just like, well, what, what, what is it with him? Like, what, what do you like him? He, he said, just the steadiness, that you're going to get a decent batting average or one that doesn't kill you. He had to hit 258 a couple years ago, but he's usually in the 270, 280 range, 20-something stolen bases, and good runs scored. Like, and I was like, okay, fine, let's take him. 
Well, we're getting more than we bargained for there. He's hitting 279 with five homers, six stolen bases, uh, 16 runs, 13 ribbies for, for Elvis Andrews. 28 years old, having a little bit of a power surge, seeing fewer fastballs. Do you think it's related directly to this recent power surge? Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, he's seeing fewer pitches on the on the heart and he's seeing fewer fastballs. So, you know, pitchers are definitely respecting him as a power hitter more. Uh, and it's been a, a decent stretch in terms of it's not just like last year or anything. It kind of, he, he added a leg kick. Jeff Sullivan wrote a great piece about him. He added a leg kick, you know, late uh, late 2015, I think. And it just took a little bit of time to, to get going. And it's like, you know, I think his true talent power is probably around league average, 150 or what used to be league average, you know. So I think he's probably like a guy who would hit like 15 homers in the season, not a guy who you'd project out to 25-30. But at the same time, that's great. If you add that to like steady Eddie stolen base numbers. Exactly. And uh, he's never hit for worse than 258. Uh, you know, never much better than two. Yeah, I mean, three hundred two last year. So, you know, I think you're 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 if you just bank on two eighty and ten homers and twenty stolen bases, it, you know, it is better than he did before. But it's also that's that, that twenty thirty stolen bases. That's 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 how it's Andrews. Yeah, it's, it is nice. It, it does end up often being a uh, an undervalued skill set to be boring. It's bland. Yeah, and and and. You know, this is a different thing, but it kind of relates to what you're saying about the book is out. Like, once there's a book in fantasy, nobody wants to read that book anymore. Like, once you kind of know what he is, it's like, ah, oh, it's boring. Right. And but there's value in paying for something and getting it. And that's, I, I completely agree. Like, I think boring, I don't, I don't think there's necessarily a problem with boring, especially because now we're seeing sometimes the boring does have a little uh, uh, hidden upside, right? They, 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 there is a change. A pitcher that adds a new pitch and starts striking some guys out, uh, you know, a, a hitter that adds a little punch with with, with a launch angle change or or you know uh, an approach change at the plate. So I like what Andrews is doing. I think I would stick with Andrews over Owings, but uh, that's a lot closer than it was a month ago because Andrews uh, was going. Yeah, I think I would too, just because. You know, you know, Elvis Andrews is going to be in there every day. There is health. You know, the floor is higher. Always has had some health too, right? Yeah. You're talking about the shoulder. If the humidor comes in, or the shoulder injury comes back in some way. Have you heard some of this stuff about the humidor taking away thirty percent of the home runs there? I mean, it's possible. I, I think there would definitely be an offensive downturn. But I thought it was. Sure. I mean, the way that they're trying to to sell it is that the pitchers will grip it better. And I, you know, I have talked to pitchers like Chris Bassett said. I hate throwing in Arizona because, you know, I can't grip my, can't my slider, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there is some thought that, that that'll be the primary thing. And, you know, I want to bring up Coors because Coors is not, you know, Petco Field all of a sudden. You know, it's not Petco all of a sudden exactly. just with the humidor. So it's not, I don't know that it'll, you know, drastically. But we, you know, it has been a while since we saw Coors without the humidor, so... Uh, it'll have an effect. It'll have an effect, and if that has, if it takes thirty-three percent away from from Owings, then you definitely want Andrews. So, well, and, but even if it takes like twenty percent away, like from somebody like Owings, right? right? You know, it might not hurt you as much on a Jake Lamb, a, a Paul Goldschmidt, some guys with that with that major power. Right. If it hurts a little bit more of the, the of just the enough power guy. Yeah. yeah. The just enough start. So maybe we'll look in and see what. Uh, maybe we need to look in and see what some of the guys that they have. How good they are? Do they hit some just enough, some luckies, or do they hit a lot of 
you know, plenties as far as the home run rating goes on uh, Hit Tracker Online. So that's something to keep an eye on in Arizona. Let's shift over to the rest of the launch angle, guys. Uh, we're talking a little bit about Alonzo being one, but we got five others here. This one you mentioned to me, really interesting. Not so much for like a buy or anything because he's actually been terrible. <laughs> John Jaso has like flipped the script on what he wants to do. I don't know if he got one of those dreads in his mouth and it, like, it infected him or something, but what is going on here? His 53% fly ball rate is equal to his uh, fly ball rate the last two years combined. If you add the two years before that, the 26 and 27 percentage, uh, fly ball percentages that John Jaso had in 15 and 16, yeah. it equals his, his one this year. So what's going on with John Jaso out in Pittsburgh? Uh, he, he reads a lot, and he's, he's up to date on stuff. So I would, I would wager this is an on-purpose sort of thing, you know, that he is trying to raise his launch angle and hit for more power. And uh, all power to him, but I just think that he, he's gone too far with it. Clearly, I mean, it's not working like this. There, there is, uh, there is, there are diminishing returns uh, for certain players once you get take the launch angle past a certain number. Well, for most, so he's at twenty three point six right now. At his average angle is twenty three point six, and really for homers, you want to be twenty five to thirty. Okay. So he's right there for homers. That, but that also means that's the average. So the spread is around that. So, so that means there's tons over 30. If you're in the 40 degree, that's never. That's not really home runs about. That's like you're going to pop up. One thing is though, he's not popping up too much more. Yeah. The, and so that. So, but it, I think he should calm it down. Could be a lazy fly I mean, balls. when we when we were talking about Alonzo, this is a little bit of the risk for Alonzo. Is Alonzo has a 50 percent fly ball rate, and so does Jaso. And Jaso has the BABIP that you sometimes see with those guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to see uh, the relationship of fly balls to batting average on balls in play for hitters with extreme launch angles like this, like I yeah. said, on, uh, yeah, look at Ryan Schimpf, look at uh, Aaron Hill in Toronto, yep. and then look at Jose Bautista. Yeah, Jose Bautista has been running BABIPs in the 250 range, and it works for him because he's got that power. And if Jaso, I, I don't like personally think Jaso has that kind of. Uh, Power, so that's why I would recommend that he that he calm it down. But um, but you know it does work for the power hitters if they can hit for enough power to offset the the line drives they get. Here come the uh, here come the Mets two on one out. I know, I why did uh, why they go? Uh, sorry, detour. Y'all, this is what happens when we're live and also watching a game. Why they go to Law instead of Strickland to close out with Melanson and Hurt? Strickland, at some point, they I don't, think just don't trust I think he him. likes Law, yeah. Strickland's been pitching sometimes in losses and in the sixth inning and seventh inning. And uh, I think that he never really regained Bochy's trust after some of those that high playoff. profile Remember yeah, that playoff? playoffs. And, you know, Bochy, I don't think, loves, the, you know, the super fiery, you know, yeller type. You know, he, he, if you think about him. the kind of clubhouse he's had, I mean, what. Who, what other guys do you have that are like yellow types? Well, you know? The one that was was Brian Wilson, and once he started to be ineffective, and he was kind of gone. He so. was gone. So I, I, you know, Derek Law is like kind of a nose to the grindstone. Good, good stuff. I, yeah. I would, you know, I'd probably give the fastball to Strickland though, because you know Law's more. You know, let's see what this one is. Uh, Ninety-five, but Strickland can hump ninety-nine. 100. So yeah, he's got yeah. hundred. So, and then if you're talking about breaking ball, I'll give Law the breaking ball. Law has a better breaking ball than Strickland. And then third better pitch, command, even Law just, you know, I was just talking to Law the other day, and he, he's like, yeah, I don't really throw the change. 
and, and Strickland has a split finger he throws sometimes it's pretty decent so you know overall I'd take Strickland but I understand I guess and you know some of this is a feeling out process I'm not 100% against the idea that there's certain temperaments for certain roles I mean um, you know I talked to evaluators about guys like John Lamb who just got a 50 game cup pop for 50 games in the Angels you system think it was cocaine because those are the two I'm thinking weed. The the reason I think weed is because I was talking to his general manager about him, John Lamb, when he was at the Reds, and he said that the body language was terrible, and he just didn't look interested, and he, you know, he looked like he wanted to be somewhere else. Yeah, and and I was, you know, I feel for that kind of player because maybe he's just. Not an alpha male, you know, raging testosterone guy, you know. Maybe he just uh, wants to throw the ball for a living, you know. It's like, I don't know. So uh, I've always felt for that guy. But maybe John Lamb wouldn't make a good closer. Maybe he could still be your fifth starter, but maybe he wouldn't make a good closer. Because he wouldn't have that fire. He doesn't have that. You know, and Brian Wilson, I, I, I started to love Brian Wilson when I talked to him. Oh, is this Conforto with the game on the line? It's correct. Is it Cabrera? No, no, it's not. It's not. Who is it? I don't. I don't know. But I thought they were going to the right-handed batter's box. But it's it's is it Wilmer Flores? Oh, it could be Flores. Who is this Super with the game on the line? I think it's Wilmer. Wait, are they? Yeah, because he's going to the right-handed batter's box. Oh, it's Wilmer Flores with the game on the line. Right, get a base hit. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that was great radio. We just sat there waiting. Yeah, we're waiting on two replays. Now. They were showing this like replay package of the crappy plays that Flores oh. has made. Well, the reason I yeah, he's a terrible defender. I, the reason I fell in love with with Wilson, even though he's total douchebag, is he told me that the total douchebag thing was on purpose. It's a persona, right? And he said that you of know, it was. he said that I can throw a knuckleball up there. I can throw a crap knuckleball up there if I do it with my huffing and puffing and crazy face and all the stuff that I do. They think it's going to be a fastball, and they're going to whiff at it. Dude, so I'm so glad to hear that. Oh, oh, oh my God! Oh, oh my God! Oh, what's that? Off the wall. That's center fielder. I don't know. It's a white. That stubs. Stubbs did. He stubbed it. They have Drew Stubbs now. Uh, or maybe they released him and oh, it's Reggiano. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Reggiano. Well, it didn't um, didn't look like Gorky's at least. No. Wow. Well, why is Reggiano out there, and why isn't Gorky? Because they faced the lefty today. Oh, they should have made a defensive replacement if they could have. You would think. You would think he might have been already. Replaced. Well, look at his face plan. Dude, they could do a chalk outline of him on this. Oh, one. they absolutely could. Oh! Yeah, it's Reggiano yeah. ah, Reg- too. He's like, oh god! Oh, he got him! God, he had it, face man. Plan. He had it. Oh man, I don't have it. Hustle. Gotta get three on that. Anyway, so you know, maybe, maybe for Bochi, he'd rather see, you know, notice the grindstone. It's funny though. We're watching Law blow it. And you don't, you'd never know what kind of personality was really going to make the right fit for the team, for the clubhouse, and for the ninth inning. Yep. You know, so. I, I, completely, I completely understand that there are, are different things about the ninth inning. I, I, I still don't get the people who completely dismiss the idea. I think for the most part, and we know this in fantasy, for the most part, 
you do want to bet on skills because yeah. for the most part, a, a guy who strikes out a lot of guys and doesn't walk a lot of guys is going to be good in the ninth inning. And they'll get a chance, right? And there are very few guys that are really great. Matt Albers was interesting because he didn't have a save, but he's been a decent reliever all along. For like but years. if you really think about it, I wouldn't really want Matt Albers as my closer, you know? But you would think he would just pick one up. Yeah, right. I guess that's the crazy part. He's been around for like 12, 13 years, and he never just picked up a save. But, you know, the Goose Gossage leaderboard of Goose Eggs or whatever, you know, was like 95% uh, closers. Stud closers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like two or three names that were interesting because we should have valued them better and never got a job at, never got a shot at closing. But the way that it is now in today's game... 40%, this is the Zimmerman number, Yep. 40% of closers keep their job. The turnover is so much that the guy will get his chance. Yeah, skill exactly. and, if he, and if he doesn't make it, if his, if his temperament doesn't play along with his skills, we're going to find out. There's few guys that are just sitting in 6th and 7th innings and 8th innings that never get a shot yeah. that are like, oh man, if he'd only gotten a shot, he would have been Lee Smith right. or some garbage. So, uh, anyway, that's our... I guess the ohm here is, is law. I mean, Melanson's injury, we don't know how long-term it is yet. Plus so, Yeah. So, is it six scary. weeks or something? It is a little bit scary. So, uh, law is the... But that 40% number should scare any of you guys that really love you know, spending big money on closers. I mean... Yeah, in labor, stones. I did spend $20 or $19 on Edwin Diaz, so I, I hear you. And, and part of that Zimmerman research was that the guys with the very plus-plus strikeout the, rates exactly, they, were... The, but the they were only a little bit more likely to get their job, like 50% rather than 40%. Well, and the thing of it is... Oh! We're seeing it with uh, Britain. The problem with relievers is that when it goes, it can go immediately. Mm-hmm. It, it, that you don't get necessarily any forewarning that like okay they're going to be in a decline like they can just go and it doesn't even have to be skills but you look you know he's been dealing with that forearm strain this year Britain has his numbers haven't been great his ERA has won but um, the strikeout rate is way down the walk rate's way up 12% swinging strike rate's way down so it, it's it's not great I would, I would be a little bit worried about Melanson looks like Waz your bet there we had to squeeze in some pitching but we gotta get back yeah. to these uh, yeah. these launch angle guys so Jaso so Jaso went too far I, I think you know I think even Yonder I think is, is in dangerous territory because he's averaging 20 and when you're averaging 20 line drives are like 10 to 25 okay. you know 15 to 25 so if you're averaging 20, you're almost averaging outside of the line drive rate, you know. Um, I think maybe 20 will work, but, you know, 25, you know, 20, 23.6, that's too far. Uh, Trevor Story is up there. He's at 29%. So that's going to be a lot of, uh, of, of pop-ups and lazy fly balls, even, even for cores. So I think some of what's going on with Story right now is he's gone too far with that. But, um, you know, a guy like Trevor Story? Yeah. Because we're talking about Jason. Let's talk about Trevor Story. He's looking almost Schimpfian right now. Yeah. Right down to the fact he's got a 64% fly ball rate. Schimpf has 67%. Uh, He does have six homers, but a 180 average. 38% strikeout rate, 13% walk rate for Trevor Story. We knew the strikeouts were there. We knew that fallow periods will come with a guy like this. He only played 97 games last year. What do you think about Trevor Story right now in terms of his season outlook? One thing I've liked about Story in the past is he's made adjustments. Sometimes I feel like I can see the wheels grinding in his head that, you know, he's like slow adjuster type where, you know, and we saw this a little bit with Brett Lowry. If you're a slow adjuster type, 
like it can lead to bad years and it can it can take off that that top 10% of your outcomes where you're not you don't really have that ceiling that people dream of for you you know because mm-hmm. I remember Rhett Laurie got like 10 breaking balls in a row one time in a row uh, because the the Rangers catcher at the time uh, I forget who it was was just calling breaking ball after breaking ball because he didn't think he could hit him that one game and he said when I asked Laurie about it he said yeah Russell Martin does that to me too so you know but this is a guy Laurie who's had in the past has shown the ability to lay off pitches and has you know before the league went full breaking ball on him hadn't actually demonstrated huge strikeout rates or anything so you know, it took them a long time to find this book, but once they did, you know, the wheels ground so hard and so long for Laurie that, you know, he lost years because of it. So, story, you know, I, I see, you know, fewer fastballs, um, you know, for him and more change-ups. That could be a function of who he's, you know, matched up with in the early going, but I, I wouldn't be surprised also if there is some sort of sequencing and, and things that they're trying to do to him that he's trying to catch up to. The nice thing is he's... You know, in the minor leagues, he did have times where they went full breaking ball on him and he adjusted back. So there's something to be believed in here. Um, that, that's, there's something that's interesting about stories still. But I do think we can take off the notion that we're going to see like a 280 season with, him, with like, you know, 30, 35 to 40 homers from him. I just think there's enough going in the wrong direction, right? Like the contact rate is wrong. He's 64% fly balls is another way to say it instead of the launch angle thing. So it's just a little too extreme for me right now. I, it's not really a buy for me. Uh, unless what, what unless the, his owner, unless it's like a pickup in a 10 team. Is it a hold? He could still be a 10 team. Yeah. You know, he could still turn out to have like a 240 average from here on out with like 25 homers. You is know? it a hold? That's one of his projections. His steamer projection is two. 450 with 24 homers. And 11 swipes still. Yeah, and, you know, one attempt in six weeks is not good on that level either. So. No. It's a he's, story. Still, he's a hold in anything uh, past. I think he's a hold in any league because, uh, especially if I had an iffy-ish shortstop and, you know, I could do something where I keep my shorts. Like, if I have Addison Russell in a 12-teamer and maybe I can make some space on my bench and stories available, like, I would pick him up. Sure, you know, pick him up just in case. Yeah, he makes that adjustment. He goes back on. He gets in the home stand. That's where the average can come. You talk about that two eighty. That's very yeah. unlikely for Trevor Story. Outside of like just having a bananas. But season yeah, at his, home. his career home batting average is uh, two seventy three. No, is it two eighty two? So I mean, yeah, he does have that capability at home. So you could do a little home away platoon with Addison Russell and Trevor Story in the meantime. You know, while you're trying to figure out how to get a top 10 shortstop out of, you, you obviously didn't pay much. Talking about another guy here that's a, that was, a, I thought, massively overrated, but certainly has been playing like o, an overrated guy now because the numbers aren't there. Like story, Kyle Schwarber is somebody who, uh, very similar, 200 average, five homers. So he's got homers, but the average isn't there. The strikeouts are up. The walks are still good. The one thing I do like about Schwarber, though, 30% strikeout rate, 10% swinging strike yeah. rate. So the swing strike rate's actually down from where he's been. I'm actually strikeout rate's holding. I'd buy. I'd be almost aggressive in buying. I okay. think this is a great time in Dynasty to get him. He's not. Uh, let me see here. I don't think he's playing much catcher, if any at all. None. None. So that. Oh, he appeared in one game as Pardon a catcher. Me. Pardon me. That's it. No starts though. I don't think so. It says LFC, so I can't tell where he started at. 
any case, um, it's still an off chance that he gets five games there, but I would buy him even as an outfielder because I think now there's a better chance of him hitting 260 or 270 with that 29% strikeout rate and the 10% swing rate. The 10% strike. swing strike rate is yeah. really encouraging. Yeah, because everyone wants to regress his strikeout rate upwards um, best based on you know past history, but if he's got a 10% swing strike rate, you can almost make an argument to revise it downwards. So you could give him the steamer strikeout rate of 26%, if you give him that 26% steamer, and now his launch angle is up to 15, it was three last year, and it's you know a few very few results, but that says to me he's healthy, and 15 is right there. 15 is averaging a line drive stroke. That means your average hit is a line drive. That's a really nice place to put, especially when he crushes the ball. You know he could be a guy who has like a 330 Babbitt, and that's that's what that's why I love Michael Franco. Michael Franco crushes the ball. And uh, let me see what his... Doesn't, and doesn't strike out. Doesn't strike out. And his average launch angle is 11.9. No, actually, he went down. That's too bad. He's 8.4. But last year, he was 11.9, so he was basically averaging a line drive, a smoked line drive. Wow. So that's what I think the possibility. I'm buying short. Right, let me do some either or. I'm going to go outfield right now. Because if, yeah. he, if he's eligible in catcher, first off, you're not going to get him for any sort of discount. So Yahoo, he already has catcher. You're not going to get him for any sort of discount. Would you buy him at market then? Just just pay the the, I the think frame. So. Okay, so let's talk some outfielders then. Because I think you know these projections actually have some some um, possibility baked into them. I mean, like what I'm saying is, if I if I give him uh, the steamer uh, batting average and a 15 degree launch angle BABIP of 330, all of a sudden he's hitting 270 or 265. That's better than steamer, right? So, so what you're saying is I should chill out on bragging about. Being off of him. <laughs> Settle down with There's still here. a lot to like here. I mean, okay, Matt Kemp or Kyle Schwarber. Oh man, Matt Kemp like like makes my Atlanta skin Matt crawl. Kemp is good. Though. I know it's crazy. Yeah. It is like he wrote that thing on the on the Players Tribune, and people kind of mocked him like, oh, okay, yeah, you love Atlanta. I mean, he's awesome with Atlanta. Also in San Diego. He was not. He was checked out. So I don't think I've out. seen a player more checked out. The one time I saw it, like a hundred percent, was on an intentional talk. And the one thing I like, they I always praise them for is their player interviews. They're they're yeah. amazing. They get the best, like they get the guys to like open up. They had him and uh, it was Matt Kemp and Melvin Upton. And Matt Kemp was just like, "Please Not kill happening. me." <laughs> I'm in one of the best cities in the country, and I'm rich. And yet I hate my life. It was very crazy, but yeah, he was clearly, and I know that's like a one-off, twenty-minute thing or whatever. Yeah. But it was, I don't know. It, 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 it maybe it was just confirmation bias. It certainly looked like. Well, you know, it's out. like a military town. It's craft beer, very white, and you know, it's either white or Mexican. And uh, Atlanta does, you know, maybe line up with him a little bit more culturally. Well, they more black people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we've seen other players. Uh, go to Atlanta and, and, and like it for similar reasons. So And then Atlanta's a better team. I mean, they're not an amazing team, but they're a better team. They're certainly more competitive. Yeah. And then when he got there, the offense took off. They had that second half where they were like a top three offense. Oh, look at that. The Padres have a better record. So, well, oh, they do? It's about the same. 13-21 and 21 versus 11-19. Oh, that's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah. with Atlanta now, so far, he has a 9-0. I, will, I, I guess I'll take Kemp. There's something about him that makes my skin crawl. But at the same time, I've always had tremendous amount of respect for the fact that he sprays with power. Like, he's a very line drive-ish guy. I mean, he's a, 
He's a guy who hits to all fields uh, with power. Right? What about K. Davis? I just want to see what Matt Kemp's average launch angle is. Oh, look at that. Matt Kemp's average launch angle is 15. The it's same, perfect. The same thing you're it's talking perfect. about. It's perfect. And look at his, let's look at his pull central oppo because he used to be very good at this. Yeah, look at that. Still great. Yeah, Still uh, right now, especially 30, 31, 40, 26 is very even. Oof. That is very even. He's so, clubbing the ball. Yeah, Kemp, yeah. y'all. Anyway, don't, so, don't yeah, sleep on Don't Kemp. sleep on Kemp. But He's uh, been great. So I, I can't imagine that. taking. Well, actually, it's Schwarber. Right? Let me go back to Okay, Schwarber. So I'm, I'm giving him maybe 265 with like 22 homers left, um, and and yeah, and Chris is gonna you know, rest of season protection is at 240 with uh, 22. I think I might actually take Schwarber. I mean, I think I might, I think I might like Schwarber's batting average better. And I think even though it's hard to say this right now because Chris Davis is killing the ball and has real real power. God, he has such good power. I think. Not big. Either. Schwarber's not that far off. You have to remember Schwarber. It's Schwarber. You he know? still has five homers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has like one or two. Yeah, and it might just it might be one of those tricks of sequencing where he had his five homer month and his ten homer month is coming. Yeah. And Chris Davis had his ten homer month and his five his homer five month is coming. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like it, like if you just sort of I like you know and I, don't, I don't love Malcolm Gladwell, but one of the things I do like is it, the idea of blank. Oh, sometimes that doesn't be the hair because you guys have the same hair. <laughs> Uh, so sometimes um, I think it, it, it serves us well to sort of close our eyes, take look away from the numbers, and and sort of open your eyes and pick one. You know what I mean? Like, Make like what am I gonna? What is it gonna be? So uh, in this case, I think if you do that, you know, Kosh returns to form, and you're like, oh yeah, this is the guy that hit the ball almost out of Wrigley. You know, that's the thing, man. When when Wrigley's gonna warm up. You know, it's been unseasonally cold. I yeah, and it's going to warm up, and I think Schwarber is going to go on a Chris Davis-like tear, and it'll look very much the same, except maybe a little bit more batting average. And if Chris Davis better swing down strike down rate, rate, better strikeout rate, smoothed out a little bit. I got you. Okay, yeah. uh, one last one, Mark Trumbo, who is on his downturn uh, right now. A three, you know, three homers just only. Tomahawked a ball in his nipples. From Dude, out that of was the insane. It was crazy. Um, one hundred ISO seems so crazy out of. Mark Trumbo. And the nice thing is he's kept his, his good that, that good launch angle from last year and he's kept his pull percentage from last year. So in terms of what he wants to do, he is actually pulling fly balls. I don't know what is missing. You know, I uh, there's something that's not going right. There's a couple more uh, pop ups. I could you could point to that maybe. But um, his hard percentage is way down. It's more medium now. Yeah, that's a little weird. Went from forty-two thirty-nine medium hard to fifty-three twenty-nine. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's definitely risk with Trumbo because he's you know last year was is definitely is going to be his career year. I mean, Could he's thirty-one. That was his career year. He said to me that it's that he always wants to hit fly balls, but that it's it, oh Healy just miffed one a third. Not I wonder about his defense. No, 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 I guess not a third. But Yonder's probably going to be gone next year, so they'll just put him in at first, man. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Trumbo with, like, uh, uh, the... Well, let's actually look at his um, exit velocity. That's an easy way to see if a guy is hurt. And... No. Trending up. Interesting. 
So uh, I think he's fine. I would, I, I'd call him a buy. I don't know. I think I'd still prefer Schwarber because Trumbo's skill set has been proven to be a little bit more fringy. Trumbo's K. Riz Davis when he went outside of last year. Yeah, I guess so. Like the big power and the lower batting average, right? Right, right. And just, you know, there's, yeah. I'm just saying that, like, uh, you know, he doesn't have that great eye. And I think what, we're, what we're really seeing out here is buy Mark, or buy... Uh, I'd buy Schwarber and I'd buy Trumbo. I'd buy Trumbo. I'd just I, I think put Trumbo a little bit lower. I've never been a Trumbo guy, but, but I would buy him now because I do think, and again, buy low doesn't mean you're going to... Rip somebody off, but you, you, you dock a few I'm just saying, I don't think he's, he's not done. Exactly. You know, if there's a, anyone who thinks he's done, you 7% know. 7% home run per, per, to fly ball rate on a 19% career. And, yeah. And the exit velocity is fine. And the exit velocity is fine. And the launch angle is fine. So. He's going to get hot. Yeah. And Baltimore's going to heat up. You talk about parks heating up, hottest yeah. park in the league. I'm what was I saying? Trumbo. He said it's hard to hit. He's trying to hit fly balls. It's hard to hit fly balls. Sometimes it just goes a little bit awry and he has to fix it again. So if there are a few extra pop ups in there, that's he's working on that. He knows about that. Um, and then I do think, yeah, Baltimore temperature. I think Baltimore and Wrigley are about to heat up and, and add more fuel to this, you know, what the heck is going on with home runs uh, debate that we're having. Would you sell Eric Thames? What would you would you take Hal Schwarber alone, or would you need something else? You need something else at this point, right? Man, Thames, yes, because look at Thames. Thames been so nine point six swing strike, twenty one percent strikeout rate. Can you get and a good arm with with Schwarber? You think I might do it. I might do it. I mean, the projections for Thames, which you know we people thought were a little bit aggressive mm-hmm. you know maybe now they're they're not aggressive enough but it's, it's they're funny. still saying like 260ish so it's that's funny that we thought they were aggressive when projections are so routinely seen as uh, conservative and this one since it was an unknown and we were like scared of it i think that's why it got con- considered aggressive mm-hmm. and maybe it should have just been tr- if you're if you're a trust the projections guy I don't know why you wouldn't, you know. Yeah. Why would you cherry pick this one to not trust? Yeah. If you trust all the other ones, but yeah, I think um, in general, though, I think we're not like um, uh, value sheet uh, fascists here. We always no. talk about that. So you know, but I, I it hurt me too because I knew Yonder Alonso changed his swing, and I've seen him in spring, and I've been talking to him all spring about you know his power and his new swing and stuff, but. In my ALA, where the projection said he was worth fifty cents, so you know, <laughs> you tried I, to bid fifty I, I cents. I really wanted him. For you got a, yelled at for that. I really wanted him for a dollar. Like I really, I had him penciled in. Like I have smoke for a dollar because I didn't be get Alonzo. That was supposed to be Alonzo's slot, and I think I bid two, and someone bid three, and, and I was like four on. I mean, I I do think he's better, but uh, you know, if I if it says he's replacement level, and I'm going to four on this guy. That could be four dollars, even if he if he plays with his projection, which is part of why I'm interested in him because I think he'd be at least a warm body. Mm-hmm. Then then I lost four dollars that I needed to to you know use, and four seems like yeah okay maybe I'll push a dollar or two, but four is like that's could be a full that's a player you know. I, I, I got like Eddie Rosario for seven. So this four is the second is thing, though, a big of, your, deal. of your own work 
that you didn't follow through on, the other being the cop. Uh, let's not talk about Alex Cobb. <laughs> Sorry. Jeez. All right, let's move to Tim Anderson sticking with your team. Okay, well... By the way, another guy that, that, that you are in on. Uh, I like I like Tim Anderson's changes here. He went from a 5% launch angle, 5-degree uh, launch angle to 13.8. Okay. And this is this is somewhere around 15. For a non-power guy, by the way. Yeah, I think somewhere around 15 is almost ideal for... It's almost like a good ideal for anyone. I mean, why why not average 15 if... if if line drives are 10 to 20, you know exactly. what I mean? Like 10 to 25. Like that's right in the middle of the line drive angle. It can't be bad for you. It's much better than zero. Um, so, and, and an interesting thing that came out, I did look at uh, ideal launch angles for, for players. And one thing I did notice was I think most players' velocity, exit velocity peaks from zero to 10. So, uh, so if you are a guy like Yonder Alonso who has good exit velocity but not necessarily... Uh, like Stanton-esque, you know, great power, exit velocity. The further you get from that 0 to 10 degree uh, exit velocity peak, the the worse, you, like the worse the exit velocity is that you're, that you're okay. using. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you're Stanton and you average 120 in 0 to 10, you can go all the way to 20. And still be at 95. And still be at 95, 100 and love your life, you know? Yeah. But if you're at 95... At zero to ten, and you go all the way to twenty, and you're like eighty-five. Those are fly ball outs. So, Easy, lazy so, so, uh, you know, I think fifteen is also a great number for that reason. Is that like you give yourself a chance for power, but you're still close to that zero to ten exit velocity peak, and you haven't gone too far out. So that's going to be part of, you know, people with better research skills than I will, will get into this sort of thing um, when we start talking about. Uh, about ideal launch angles for, for players. So let's but for Tim Anderson, I see a guy who can have league average power. Okay. So if he has league average power and he's averaging line drive, what I see is a Babbitt that could go up. So he's a 267. Traditional Babbitt analysis would say he could go up anyway, speedy, you know, not hitting the ball in the air, like a not a 50% fly ball guy. So you can go the traditional way or you can do it the launch angle way. It's nice to have launch angle tell you that he's hitting it in ideal angles and, you know, that he should have better outcomes coming, you know? So, the move on Tim Anderson, can you buy there? You buying there? I just bought in a 12-teamer, but it was Otter New, and it's a dynasty, so on some level I was buying for his the future. And I do think that his defense is going to keep him on the field. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I think worst-case scenario... We're talking about sort of Elvis Andrews-ish before the sort of breakout, or okay. maybe like Eric Ibar, where he's hitting you know 270 with 25 steals and you know yeah. But I think Anderson has a little bit more to be on that home run day. Ibar plus. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe a little bit less batting average, maybe a little bit more uh, power. But this analysis even suggests he could have the batting average. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he'll ever walk a lot, and he'll have bad OBPs, and that'll steal some of his real-life value. But if you're talking about batting average, I still see in this guy 260, you know, uh, 15 and and, um, and 25 or something. What's the ideal mixed league to buy Tim Anderson, like a 12 or the 15? I think 15. 15 deeper, deeper, yeah. Because, yeah, okay. That, 12, okay. I, that's why I wanted to point out it was Autonew. Because Autonew, even though it's a 12, it plays deeper because it's 40, 40 slots yes. on the roster. So you can, and you can hide a guy like him. And I needed Tim Anderson for this year so that I could, uh, because of my middle infield, I'm playing Simmons right now because, you know, Simeon is hurt. And, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I needed, like, a backup. Uh, he's, a, he's a right-hander, so at least I can stick him in there against lefties and... 
and use him on off days to try and get some of the games I lost back. So that's that's a kind of odd new thing where he has some value to me this year and you know and has peak value left going forward. In a 15-team league, I'd be interested in buying him and maybe getting some of his better batting average days and uh, hoping he finishes closer to 20 steals than than um, you know 15 or 10. Okay. All right, so that, that, that's, uh, that's Tim Anderson. Last one here is Travis Darno, and we know he's hurt, but uh, you've been showing some things before the injury that, uh, that, that piqued your interest on Travis Darno. So uh, give us some thoughts on his launch angle and what he was able to do before he unfortunately um, got hurt again. Yeah, well, another guy with a 15-degree launch angle this year. So, And it came up from eight, so I think he was... he. He was really showing. He had a really terrible swing last year. If you were watching him, mm-hmm. it was all messed up, and I think it was really tied into the shoulder injury. So I think what we saw from him in the early going was good health, and I think that uh, offers us hope that you know, like he will someday put that power together with good uh, batting average. I mean, 15 degree launch angle and a 180 ISO, uh, 180 BABIP doesn't fit, you know. So what you could say is, what if he puts that 270 batting average together with this really good power that he showed and gives us that 270, 275, you know, 18 home run type hitter that we thought he was mm-hmm. with with great OBP. I mean, that's that's still in there. And I know it's hard to see, especially as a Mets fan, you might be yelling at the radio right now, <laughs> but, you know, you know, and I know he's 28 and he's only managed 1,100 plate appearances in five years or whatever, but... At the same time, when he's healthy and in for a full season, we've seen some glimpses of this. I mean, remember 2015, he had 268 with 12 homers and a 340 OBP. You know, and that was only in 268 plate appearances. So there's still a guy who can hit 270 with 20 homers in there. Okay. And um, I know it's it's a weird time to be talking about this because now he's hurt again. It's a bone bruise in the wrist, and the wrist sometimes, you know, doesn't play out well for a power hitter. But still... I'm, I, I think I'd buy Darno in the keeper league because I think this injury in particular will make his owner just want to throw his hands up and say, you know, screw it. I'm done with this. Yeah, I'm done with this. And okay. So I think he could be fairly cheap to acquire right now and be an interesting player. All right. Anybody else that we didn't talk about that you want to uh, touch on at all here? Covered 10, 10 different players, offshoots on a, on a few others as well. Anybody else that you wanted to mention before we go? No, I mean, um, Josh Harrison is a big in, increaser, and, I, and he's, uh, he's up to 17 degrees, which is that, that, nice, that nice number that we've been talking about. He's so. been hitting well this year. He's got five homers. He had four in each of the last two years. Yeah, and Jed, um, Jed Lowry uh, hitting uh, 16, 17-degree launch angle. He told me, Jed Lowry told me, that he had a gross-ass bunion he showed me. And uh, I think he, he he asked me not to take a picture of it because it was so nasty, um, or maybe I just blacked out because it was gross. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, when I saw him this year, I was like, "All oh, right, man, the foot's feeling healthy, everything's good, right?" And he goes, "Yeah, and the deviated septum they found, which I don't know how they found that looking at his foot, but they did a surgery, and he's been getting fifty percent fifty percent sleep efficacy for the last eight years." Yep. He was at a he was at a, he was doing a, a camp for kids and a ball like you know some kid threw a ball at him and, and hit him in the nose and that was eight years ago and he hasn't been sleeping right since. That's crazy. So I mean, 
you know, this was the story supposedly behind Napoli's breakout or whatever. Sure. And um, it didn't show right away, but overstated and. But at the same time, sleep is fundamental. Y'all have heard me complain about some sleep. Sleep's, sleep's so massively important. It's just everything. Everything in your day. Just your, your countenance, your feel, your good feeling. Too many people brag about not getting enough, like, like it's a badge of honor. Like, no, no. I used, sleep I used is to be that great. Now I'm just like, I wish uh, I could get more sleep. Yeah, I, I want to sleep all the time. So, you know, Jed Lowry healthy and Josh Harrison healthy actually I think are, could be very similar players okay I mean uh, J- J- Josh Harrison in my head has a little more speed uh, Jed Lowry is actually the slowest non-slow looking person I've ever seen I completely agree I've with never I've, I, when I'm at the games I'm like is something wrong you, it's a bunion <laughs> that bunion for eight years. I'm just kidding <laughs> uh, but uh, I guess you know I might bump uh, Lowry's uh, power up to those sort of 160, 180 type ISO years where he had 15, 16 homers. Like that, he has that in him, and everyone's hitting homers now. So you know, I wouldn't hold, uh, I wouldn't hold um, Oakland ahead of, against him too hard. And Josh Harrison with this right now is probably a 280, you know, 15 homer, 16 homer hitter. You have to put Harrison ahead of Lowry because he, he'll, he'll steal a few bases. But uh, both of these guys. Are probably uh, better plays in. Oh, who went deep? Chad Pinder. Chad Pinder. Uh, I think both these guys are better plays in in are like like fringe in leagues in depths that you wouldn't expect. Like I'm not saying Jed Lowry in a 10 team, but Jed Lowry in a 12 team with an MI and you've got a you've got a roster situation. Someone's hurt or something. Some injury. You know, yeah. he's better than you think. And don't uh, your nose about him on the wire. And if we're talking DFS. Uh, Harrison and, and, and Lowry Harrison against the lefty I guess but uh, Harrison and Lowry probably a little bit better plays than, than people expect and so. some money saving possibility too. yeah okay yeah. alright well you know that's going to wrap it up we did a hitters episode here we hitterish fit in a little bit of uh, pitching talking about the uh, closer situation with the Giants we'll probably do a pitcher episode next week we don't like to go too long without talking pitchers for an hour but uh, thanks for joining us live and uh, hopefully you're enjoying your trip in Austin here Yes. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening.